0: When I started speaking, I used to be afraid of public speaking. I even remember when I was starting, I would write my speeches word for word, and then I would purposely add in the ums and ahs to make it sound like I was speaking off the cuff. And I was so afraid. And the reason I was afraid is because I was afraid of making a mistake. I was afraid of what people were going to think. I was afraid at any moment that I was not going to get that perfection. And it came off to be the first time I tried something. I, was, I wanted to overcome some fears. And I said, my next speech I'm going to do, I'm going to do it off the cuff for 45 minutes and not have a script. And to be honest, it was the best speech I've ever done because I was 100% present.
1: This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Soulprey skincare for athletes. Whether you're in the gym, on the mats, on the road or in the pool, we protect your skin so you're more comfortable in your own body. To learn more, go to solpre.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is a lot of things, but that is not the only thing that he is. So, don't be um, stuck on just these things. But Among the things that he is or has done, he's an entrepreneur, consultant. He's a storyteller. He formerly was one of the top 10 world ranked athletes at the University of Oregon. He's a founder of Coach A.K. Enterprises. He's a startup coach for Google startups. He's a host of Mornings with Coach A.K. Podcast, which is a nice, very short format podcast, unlike this one, which is much longer. So, it's very, very easy to digest. He is also a father. Welcome to the show, AK Kwakor. Jesse what's up oh, man how you doing I'm doing pretty well I butchered your last name I I was getting through I, it and I'm like we went through it and I was like I'm not gonna hit this one but I'm gonna I try. You got I, a, it was
0: there you got the AK <laughs> right though you
1: got I, yeah AK I got the AK right. and I was like I'm like 60 percent of the way there on the, on the
0: AK- line. way <laughs> sorry about that uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah it's, it's, it's something like that um yeah, and, and, and that is the exact reason why he goes by Co- Coach AK, so he doesn't have to listen to you butcher his name over and over again, um, because it's no fun for anybody involved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or mean, that's, that's not true. When I was growing up, it was funny because when the teachers were going the roll call, they'd be like, okay, and, you know, Jamie, you here, or Alex, you're here. And then it would be this pause. You're like, you're that's like, me. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, and like the, the, you just see the sweat coming out. I don't want to mess this up. I said oh, yeah.
1: I can't remember who it was, but I definitely I, I think about that when I know I come to difficult names and I'm like I don't know how teachers deal with it. I I think I remember a few teachers um just just doing pretty much exactly that, pausing and be like you know who I'm like, tell me how it's pronounced. <laughs> and they're like, okay, You're like here,
0: <laughs> like here it is. And that's well, just how it goes. Well, the funny thing is, the crazy thing is, is that I'm a triplet. So. Right. And that I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> but I'm a twin, I have a twin brother and a twin sister. So imagine when uh we were all sharing the same class when you we were younger, and they would get to the names, it would be like, oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, three three different hands. So uh it's, it's crazy because you know we're all athletes and I am six foot three almost four 240 pounds and I'm the youngest of six and I'm the smallest in my family so
1: the the thing I wanted to ask you somewhat jokingly is um because you're a triplet if you had to do it all over again would you do it again
0: if you had the choice <laughs> I the funny thing is I don't know any different Right. right it's hard so <laughs> for me it was I always had someone to play with I always had somebody to fight with because you know <laughs> growing up with the same um but now nah, we it was really we we're a big support system uh it doesn't I don't know what it not feeling like a twin or a triplet feels like but yeah I do know what it feels like to have people that you're always able to talk to when we went to school I got you know I was picked on a lot but uh through, through that, having your support circles always around you. And now today, all, all of us in our whole family, we're on one WhatsApp group. Mm-hmm. And we just talk life. And usually talk trash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, I, you know, I guess it can go both ways. But I feel like if you can talk trash and nobody's actually, like, heard about it, then, you know, you probably got a pretty good relationship. Because, mm-hmm.
0: you know, nobody's taking it themselves too seriously. Yep, yep, yep. 100 yeah. percent um you know for me it was my family were all it was five boys and a girl so we had there was four boys or three boys and then my mom said I'm just gonna try one more time and she got the girl it was just wrapped in two boys but my household was really we'll say masculine kind of tough and I, I remember just a couple of weeks ago I asked my family did we ever when you're we growing up say the words hey that hurt my feelings <laughs> I was offended, we didn't. I mean, my family, we played Monopoly every single day. We were super competitive. Uh, and I would say we're all in the, we're all, it's kind of weird, all in the communication space in some way. So my twin sister's in sales, You know, I'm a speaker and a facilitator and a coach. My brother is an actor in Hollywood. My other brother's a lawyer. So it seemed like when we were younger, we were always practicing on our communication skills. And obviously it was annoying to my mother But now it's actually working out pretty well professionally.
1: I have to ask about the Monopoly. Did you play every day because the game never ended? Or did you actually get through and you were starting new games?
0: New games. We, if anybody says Monopoly is about luck, then they have no idea how to play the game. It is 100%, well, not 100. There's a lot (laughs) of strategy that's involved in it. And it was my dad, one of the most calmest individuals out there. That would be the only time you would see him like flipping up the board and get super competitive. Outside of that, he's all like, yeah, you know, do what you gotta, do what you gotta do when you have five boys that are rumbunctious. Uh, having that calm nerve is always really, really, really important.
1: You know, it's um, for my other business. I actually design original board games and card games, mm. and I I like to pick on Monopoly. Though to be fair, it, it actually does. The point of the game where you become a monopoly, but the from a game standpoint, the problem, quote unquote, with the game is that there is typically a point where somebody gets so far ahead that you can't catch up to them, which is kind of the point of having a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not fun at that point because you're you're just sitting there getting crushed and you don't know what to do, which again is the Point of a monopoly and right. kind of the point of the, of the game, um, but that's kind of the biggest critique that comes with the game is like that. So, like one thing I try to do and build into my games is it, there's always some way for somebody to come back and win at the end. Like mm-hmm. there's still there's always that glimmer of hope. It's not like let's go through the next 20 turns and you're just going to take all my money and there's nothing I can do. About, you know, right. it's a, that's the biggest critique of that. So it's surprising that most people get a, annoyed with that mechanic and give up on it so it, it's i think interesting that you guys stuck with it
0: so diligently and still do when we play we they even play the card game of monopoly it's called monopoly deal mm. and it's and it's crazy when you think about it I, I mean it's one of the things that's a zero sum right Meaning the person that gets second place in monopoly got dominated yes yeah. <laughs> there isn't like this close I almost one it's like no i like you said those last five times around the board, they're thinking, well, what's the point? Right. Just keep on rolling. So, and you probably wonder, like, why is that like my family used to play this game? So, yeah.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I try to find something in, in everything. And sometimes I'm just looking into things too deeply, but, uh, which may be the case here, but there's, I, I think there's, you know, we're trying to talk about like mindset. I think there's something to that where you could say like, well, I got Absolutely crushed yesterday, but like today, like you're going down today and coming back to it instead of like, you know, I was like an emotionally fragile kid, and I'm like, well, I don't want to play with you anymore because I didn't win. So, uh, I'm I'm moving on to my own thing and doing something else. So, you know, maybe that's it. Like I said, maybe I'm just reading
0: into it too much. Well, no, no. I mean, you speak about something big when it comes to mindset in humongous way, and you know, as an athlete, as a speaker, as you know. Doing the business, we talk a lot about the importance of mindset. And I know some people like, ah, just think happy thoughts, like whatever. But they don't actually understand that the thoughts, the the thoughts that come through your mind control the way and the perspective in which you see the world and also the action steps that you take each and every single day. And oftentimes it can also be associated with the ego, but when you're able to make decisions. And you're able to have a clear mindset it then removes kind of what i would say that friction and oftentimes in life we're going through this friction and our goal is most of the time is just to remove that friction and how much easier it is just to get into the flow
1: so i kind of like to ask you like i have the perspective that there are often i'll say unrecognized scripts running through our heads these (laughs) Voices and thoughts and things that we've absorbed over time, be it from family, commercials, teachers, whatever, that don't serve us. Yeah. You know, maybe it's you know negative self-talk. Maybe it's um, somebody else who didn't believe that they could do anything, so they've imposed that on you and say, "Well, no, that's you know that's not right for you." How do you get to a place where first you recognize those and then? like that they're even there because they're sometimes so like deeply embedded in how you view the world. And then how do you, how do you deal with those?
0: Such a, such a big question. Because, <laughs> because the thing is, it's almost, you I mean, can't get rid of our thoughts. Right. And they're always there. Right. The question is how do we use it? How do we navigate with it? How do we use that information to make certain you know decisions? I've done this in a mirror, you know, different ways. And I'm not saying that I've mastered it in any way because at the moment you think you've mastered it, what happens, right. <laughs> you get that test. So don't worry, I'll never say anything like that. But, you know, a lot of this, when I think about it, I do some work on, you know, positive psychology and um, emotional intelligence. Now, when we think about emotional intelligence, we might think about motivation. Um, we may think about um, self-control. We may think about all of these, you know, mindset type things, but one of the most important Is self-regulation now self-regulation is well how do you get to do the things you know you want to do or shouldn't do but still do it you can have the greatest motivation of the greatest mindset in the world but if it doesn't lead into putting one foot in front of the other then nothing's really going to change so there's a lot of different cues that i use or strategies that i use or different pattern interrupts that allow me to or anybody to really get out of their own kind of that you know, person one and person two that's always competing back and forth. Now, um, and, and before I go, I'll actually do a, a quick little story because I think it's really important to understand why motivation is so important, especially about mindset. Now I want you to imagine, we talk about running, I was an Oregon track and field athlete, you're also um, a runner as well, mm-hmm. is let's say we're both gonna be doing a mile run, right? We're gonna do a mile. And both of us, we've trained really well where we've we had the similar coach but one person on that line believes that they're going to win they've trained they feel like a million bucks a second person is thinks you know what i don't trade enough i don't need to do good enough right they both trained they're both physically fit things are fine but when that gun goes off goof right they get off everybody's feeling amazing as we usually do when we start any business endeavor when we start anything it's like hey i'm I'm feeling good, but what do you think happens the moment of any type of discomfort? I might've been, my legs are just getting a little bit tight. or I just noticed that someone kind of passed me. Now same two individuals starting off relatively well, but that first person that thought they're gonna win, they're like, oh yeah, I trained for this, I got this. I'm feeling good, I feel amazing, right? Even if that guy's passing, like, I don't care, he's gonna die at some point, he's gonna get fatigued. But that person too, that's doing that same race. Got up at the same time. Is thinking, see, you know what? I knew I didn't train good enough. Oh, see, I knew everybody else did X, Y, and Z. And then what ends up happening? That person, because are more tired, their arms start crossing their body. They're starting. They're not working as efficiently as they need to. And it's all because of the beliefs that they had for themselves that then led into action, right? So for me with an action, what I usually do is one thing I'll do, I said that story is you have to put one foot in front of the other. If I'm thinking, well, I need to start working out while I get out of bed, it's like, oh, well, should I do it or should I not? The faster you can actually do a pattern and do an action, the faster it will be for you to actually move forward in that activity. So for example, if I stand up and I said, okay, should I do this? I immediately just drop to the floor. And meaning if I have to get up, I at least have to do one push-up, right? And when it ends up happening, that pattern interrupt, we're going to fall down and then we do a push-up and then you realize, oh yeah, you can start doing one, you can start doing five, you can start doing a hundred. But once you get that momentum going, it then makes it easier to maintain.
1: It, uh, it's kind of like when I, when I get ready for having guests on like yourself, I, uh, I have a common question for everybody through a whole season or a year. And I don't always know like the topics that I want to start with. And sometimes it's daunting, you're staring at this blank page, and you're like, what am I going to talk to AK about? I, I don't know. I'm like, but I know for sure I'm going to ask him this question at the, day, at the end. So, I, I, I like I start with those and the, just the ending stuff. I'm like, I know it's going to be the shirt. And they're like, all right, good. And now I got something on the page mm-hmm. and everything becomes a little bit easier. I'm not like so anticipatory or like anxious about, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. It's like, well, I got something going, so I'll I'll just add from there. So, I, I think, I mean, there are other times that, that kind of similar pattern interrupt happens. But most recently, as I was preparing to speak with you, that's just what comes to mind and, and how useful it is just to
0: do anything to hmm. to get the ball rolling. You brought something huge up. I mean, I did a, actually an episode this morning podcast called Mornings with Coach AK, and it was on perfection. And I said, hey, here are the three reasons, ways. Here are the three ways if you want to be perfect. Step one was, don't be perfect. Step two is, being perfect is overrated. And step three is, refer back to number one, right? <laughs> the reason I say that is because, you know, when I started speaking, I used to be afraid of public speaking. I even remember when I was starting, I would write my speeches word for word, and then I would purposely add in the ums and ahs to make it sound like I was speaking off the cuff. And I was so afraid. And the reason I was afraid is because I was afraid of making a mistake. I was afraid of what people were going to think. I was afraid at any moment that I was not going to get that perfection. And it came off to be the first time I tried something, I I wanted to overcome some fears. And I said, my next speech I'm going to do, I'm going to do it off the cuff for 45 minutes and not have a script. And to be honest, it was the best speech I've ever done because I was 100% present. See, the thing is we're gonna have missteps and we're gonna have things where we're not gonna reach perfection. I think the most important part is what do we do when perfection doesn't happen? For example, if I'm stepping on stage, I'm like, okay, I'm on, let's say I'm, I'm in Boston, it's like, welcome, everyone is in Los Angeles, California. And everybody starts looking around like, uh, he's in Boston. Like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm actually on the better coast, the more beautiful side of the country, right? And then you learn how to then recover. This is so important within sports. Within sports, we have no control of what the other opponent is doing. It's all about reacting. And if we have this strict game plan of what we're gonna do, yes, it's important, but we have to be able to also know how to pivot and react. Because that is really what life is about, is how you reacting to the things around you. And once you're able to really master that, you're gonna realize how much easier thing is one, how much control you have, because you also realize what you're not in control over. And oftentimes we're focusing on the circle of, you know, Stephen Covey talks about outside the circle of control, where we become reactive, where we become, you know, obviously, in time victimhood or fear. And when we go into that area of control or that circle of influence it just gives us so much ability to move forward
1: it reminds me a couple of things um I, i i've drawn a blank on this guest's name and i was when i was speaking to her she was talking about um coaching young athletes about the illusion of control and how you simply cannot act in your sport with a focus on the outcome. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do about the outcome. All you can do is act in the best way possible in the present moment, and the outcome will be what it'll be. Like, the result will happen. All you can do is act within your own sphere of influence. And I think we often have this illusion of control about lots of things, you know, thinking, uh, maybe I'm out in traffic and getting upset that this person cut me off. It's like, well, you're not driving their car; you can't make them not cut you off. What you can do is, you know, slow down or be more cautious so that you don't put yourself in a situation where you know you're going to crash. But you can't control the other drivers around you. The same way you can't control the weather. You can't, you know, you you have They're control this, COVID. Right, right. You right. can't control COVID. What's happened the last eighteen months? So it's like all you have, you just you've got this body, you got a brain, and you can use it to manipulate things. But they, like that's basically your sp- your sphere of influence, and mm-hmm. it's. I feel like we, we focus so much on thinking we have, greater exertion on the world than we actually do, and that trips us up because we, like maybe it's just me, but you know, feel like you want to control a larger sphere than you actually have influence over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I say this, but uh, a, a few, like a month back, you were talking about a trip and, you know, control. And uh, I, especially on this conversation of, of, of mindset, I did a, uh, a three-day psychedelic retreat mm-hmm. of ayahuasca. And, The revelations that you know, obviously, people go through as a you know embracing that journey, is it it makes you even question what we actually see, what we actually experience, and it makes you literally feel obviously on a much higher level when you think about all the social constructs in which we in which we live in, the expectations and understanding that our whole world view is based on our own world view or even questioning the things that may even be around you, right? Meaning, me and you are both entrepreneurs, right? And, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, it came to be there was a a problem that was in the world and it's always been there. While somebody may have said, hey, let me, you know, buy this, you saw something different in that same circumstance. Everybody was provided the same information. But the solution that you saw in that was completely different in terms of a creator. So Tim Ferriss talks about this. He said, like, "What have you been excited about?" He's like, "Like he's like I'm not. It's going to be hard for me to be on any type of like America's Got Talent type situation. But because he's been such an entrepreneur, he knows when to see entrepreneurial opportunities. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know when the stock market crashed this you know, last year during the pandemic, everybody was selling." Well, some people might've also said is like, oh, it's never gonna be this low ever. Right. right. I decided at the same time to start a company in that same area, yeah. <laughs> right? In that area. So that's what I'm saying, like, in terms of what we even see, in terms of what we even experience, even the perspective, when you go at a much higher level, higher level, it just makes you question everything, even existence as a whole.
1: I'm not sure where to go from there. <laughs>
0: that went deep. That went, that went that's out. Not,
1: that's <laughs> not unusual for, for conversations with me, but uh, just, I mean, the, part of it is just there's so much to unpack. You're like, what, you know, which rabbit hole do we want to get down? Um, just, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways. So it, maybe we can try to relate it back to, you know, self-identity. You turn about changing mindsets, and I think this is something you've held for a while—not just uh, post ayahuasca retreat, a bit about being unbranded, which I would argue is a brand of itself. <laughs> um, but but I identify because you know, I, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you're basically saying like I'm not just one thing. I'm I'm a complex individual that does a lot of things, and I'm capable of many things, and. I, you know, I identify with that because it's like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and runner and triathlete and I play the violin and I write music and I do art and there's all kinds of things that I can do and, and just pinning me down to one thing feels confining, but it, it is easy. And as we talked about before we got going, like, you know, I have the intro for everybody and for you too, um, but there's obviously more to the story. It's just like, this is like the five second soundbite of mm-hmm. AK's life. Like, oh, however, I, I don't know how old you are. Um, I'm going to assume older than me. I'm in my early 30s. So right. at, at least 30 the gray years. Hairs, the
0: gray hairs, I have to dive some good myself. I've them. got
1: gray hairs too. So that doesn't really, doesn't <laughs> really. I'm actually, I, well, for now, then I won't have any hair. But um, so, you know, at least 30 plus years of experience down to five seconds. It's just, we do it because it's, it's easy to process, but it belies like all of the experiences and changes and things that you've, you've gone through. So um, I, I, I guess I'm interested, you know, when did you, I guess, make the unbranded brand or when did that solidify into a thing versus I'm guessing it's probably been an underlying current you've had for quite a while but as an actual thing you kind of put out into the universe presented like when did when did that come about?
0: It's you know I guess it's always been around you know for me I'm a, obviously a triplet so I've always had to in some way share an identity but realizing that we have different interests, different stories, different yes. Ex- experiences. Yes, some very similar, but also some very different. Um, you know, I know this, I remember a series of events. One was, you know, making the Olympics and then being notified that I didn't make the Olympics and having to watch the Olympics from home. You know, that experience made me realize, okay, i am been training my whole life for something, but I have some friends that made the Olympics, woke up the next morning, okay, now what? you mean? Like there's still life that continues mm-hmm. afterwards that day after effect. And then realizing that my identity was so trapped in it. And I'm gonna mean, say so this, this happens to all of us. I mean, I believe that this is the number one problem in the world today are these boxes that we put around ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I mean, you can recognize that even though happening during, you know, the, the past several months in this country, either a Democrat or a Republican, and basically mm-hmm. whatever that is, you must, fit alongside all of those individual lines. And because you're not able to actually see each other, then you can't connect. You can't find your similarities. You're standing on opposite sides of the aisle, maybe yelling the same thing, but because we don't see each other from the multiple layers that we are, it causes strength. And this happened around the world, but you know the specific moment that that really happened for me, I was, it was 2016, I had to do this. Um, I had this organization called Empower to Play. We did sports diplomacy with the US government. And our mission was to help rebuild relationships between Haiti and the United States with the mm-hmm. Department of Mission. And this was the company that I founded and this is, this is me, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a Sports Illustrated, all these kinds of different things. But at the same time, it was also 2016 Olympics that I was considering. I had to make a decision over one or the other. I ended up choosing the Sports Diplomacy Initiative with the US government, but I said, like, this is my day. My whole world is gonna change. At the moment, I had a three-year-old daughter. And um, you know, as I was going through this trip, everything was kind of working out three months beforehand, right? Things like, oh, We got these sponsors, everybody's going to come on board. And then it becomes seven days beforehand, we get back on the ground and hey, yeah. all of a sudden, all the things that we were hoping for, weren't exactly the case in terms of our planning. Um, in our planning, everybody spoke English. Um, on the ground, seven days before, seemed like everybody spoke French. I don't know of like French. <laughs> um we have some uh we have some sponsors that came on board and we delivered three months beforehand but when it was time for them to deliver they left us high and dry um and then the night before the event the U.S. ambassador was supposed to be coming in this 300 kids and sponsors and all that kind of stuff and a um, we get a phone call and it said that we have to come up with a large sums of money and by tomorrow or this will be the safety of our team getting out of the country And at that moment, it was my rock bottom moment. I felt like I lost the Olympics. I felt that I lost this organization. And I'm like, what? what, what I I did this for every my family. And at that moment, I get a a FaceTime call from my daughter. And she was super excited, not obviously understanding what was going on. So daddy, 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 guess what, guess what? I'm like, what, what, what? And she said, I drew you a picture. And the picture was of me and her holding hands. And at that moment, she had no care in the world about the sports initiative. She didn't care about the Olympics. All she cared for was daddy. And that's what it was. She cared about daddy. In that moment, I realized I'm more than an entrepreneur, I'm more than a staff, but I'm also a father. And I believe that all of us are living in these single boxes, even though we're completely multidimensional. And because of that, we feel like we cannot break free of that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them branded my goal is to really free people to just live that frictionless life that doesn't, isn't based on the social conscious because once you do, you realize you'll actually get more done when you're more authentic in your own skin.
1: So one thing I, uh, I've been thinking about lately and then you kind of touched on this on the episode you did with Ken Lewin on the Executive Athletes Podcast um and i for people listening if you want to listen to me i was also on the show much much later than you were i think you're like episode 68 69 i was like most recently 182 something um so i think you guys talked something about like like all the titles you have on linkedin and that describe who you are in the you know like in some ways i i feel like that's it's almost like, and I basically don't participate on LinkedIn, maybe in part because of this. Because um, as I mentioned, like, I have a company where I design board games. And I have this company where we make skincare products, and we're working on nutrition, and we serve athletes. And then like, I'll say my private life, but more like my self-serving life, I'm working on being a composer, and I'd like to write music for films and video games. How, Like, how am I supposed to put that on LinkedIn? (laughs) And I'd be just like, Jesse doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, no, I just unfocused. He's like, right. It's like, no, I just do different things that are fulfilling to me, and they don't—they're not always related. So, should I just should I just continue to ignore LinkedIn? How how do I how do I navigate that? Is there any way should I should I um, talk to you about licensing the unbranded brand? (laughs) Like, what what am I supposed to do
0: here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's been the story of, of my life. But the but the key was at the moment that I said, "Who cares?" Right. And and, and that and that's crazy thing. Like, what do you mean? You're saying the secret is just being like, whatever. And that's where it kind of comes with the ego and the mindset. It's one hundred percent. I believe if you if there is a second, like if a thought comes to your mind and there's like this these gaps of second, the longer gaps you have there's nobody speaking, is your own thoughts filling that in, right? And usually most definitely it's the negative side of things. So for me, when I just said, this is me and all of who I am, especially when it became the speaking, I'm like, ah, oh, it's refreshing because it allows people to let go, right? And you realize that random thing that I, I do this, um, actually this un- called an unbranded exercise where I help people through, go through introspective conversations or dialogue with themselves to better understand themselves at a, at a greater length mm-hmm. is, I have people like list out everything that makes them who they are, and then go backwards and like knock it off until they they get to one. But sometimes people don't realize like okay, I'm A.K. Coach A.K. Enterprises. But let's say we never ever met, and I said, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a business coach and you know I help entrepreneurs. And then I, and you ask a question something along the line like, well, what brought you to you know where you live, Boston? So, well, before that, I was in Boston. I was in la and then i was in university of oregon where i ran track and field what do you think would happen when that track and field or runner comes up
1: right i mean that's the thing you identify with i mean yeah if we met it was like oh yeah I met this guy right in oregon and that that would be the thing to focus on
0: yeah and so we don't realize that every little parts of us are actually our connection points Mm. and in this life and what we live the number one factor is i would say community right you are working business is about community. It's exchanging of goods and services and values. Um, sports is about community, right? If You're just only doing it by yourself. I was a track and field athlete, but still there was this community aspect of competition. So when we're able to identify and find those connection points, that is the number one tip I would say in sales, in terms of business, and in terms of life. Because usually we usually see ourselves on opposite sides, but if you're actually able to find that connection, I know it sounds kind of foo-foo-y, but it actually reduces the resistance, right? Yeah. It reduces the resistance and actually about, enables one to trust one another. And to be honest, that is actually the number one way, I, I teach a course at uh, Google on influence. And the number one way is actually to your character, ne- network and reputation are the three number one ways to influence somebody. That's more than your title, that's more than your um, prestige, that's more than the way that you speak. It's actually those are the number three. So if you do not focus on that relationship building or the relational development, it's going to be hard for you to do anything in life. And that even means not just negotiating a big deal, but talking with my partner about what I want to have for dinner tonight.
1: Yeah, it, it reminds me of, I wish I could remember who this quote is attributed to. So um, it is just note is not my original thought, but thinking about it, um, advice between entrepreneurs, for the entrepreneurs like on how to sell things it is the idea is people don't buy things because they understood the product they buy things because they feel understood Mm -hmm. like you said they make that connect make that connection and it's like yeah I understand you and your situation and your problem and this thing I have can probably you know solve your problem And, and for AK and I if you're as you listen we're both entrepreneurs so we Sell stuff or services or our time or whatever it is, but we are all, um, as AK and I were talking about before we were officially recording, basically selling ourselves to a greater or lesser degree anytime we're interacting with people, not even just in a, in a business environment. If I just like, even if I come up to AK on the street, I don't know him, I just like, that looks like a cool guy, I want to go talk to him. Well, I've got to get his attention and 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 make sure that he actually <laughs> wants to talk to me. If like if he's like, who the heck is this guy? Like, so weirdo talking to me. But if I'm like, if I see him and I say, Hey man, did you run track? Like you look like you run track, then he might feel like, oh, like he gets it, he knows, and then we can have a conversation about track. And I've basically sold myself to have a conversation to AK about track and having this conversation because I understood some aspect of him. And that's like, although he and I can talk about business, it, it is, it does all kind of come back to what we all do on an individual level, even if sometimes it's cloaked in the like business jargon.
0: Yeah. The, 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 the buzzwords. I mean, that's kind of one of the biggest challenges. You know, I, you know, I teach, I do, I work for Google for startups and I'm one of the sales trainers there and consult there to help, you know, early stage entrepreneurs really scale their, their, their business. And the number one thing we often talk about are the buzzwords that we use. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I say, um, you know, I'm feeling good today, or how are you? And you say, fine. Like, what does that actually mean? Right. Right. We say this all the time. Like, oh, well, that didn't seem to go the way that I wanted. Well, you weren't communicating. Mm -hmm. Were you happy? Were you sad? And if you were sad, why were you sad? And it's these buzzwords that we use every single day, not realizing that we're actually not communicating at all. And that actually kind of goes to a little bit, though, the unbranded piece or the labels we put around ourselves. Just because I say I'm a business coach, does that say anything more about, you know, where I grew up or that I'm a father or all these different things? Like, no, but they're like, no, I now I know it because this Uh is his one sentence on LinkedIn. Like, no, you, you don't. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> um, one thing I like to ask people like you because I think it happens to all of us at one time or another, but it definitely happens to athletes. And, and you did talk about this a little bit on on your episode with Ken on the Executive Athletes Podcast. Is the the transition out of sports, and you transition out, and transition back in, and then have to transition out again. Um, but I mean, we. Sometimes, with college athletes, I know it's difficult. And Olympians, pro athletes, whenever the end comes with college athletes, it's easy because it's like, well, you graduate, that's the end. Like, you know, it's coming. And you know, for pros or amateurs, it can be more ambiguous. And regardless of whether you do that athletic side, we all kind of hit these transition points in life here and there, and we don't always see them coming, but they are more difficult for some of us than others. So I just kind of like to hear about um, how you dealt with the transition out of, back into and out of kind of high level athletics. uh, If you have any thoughts and tips on dealing with big life transitions like that.
0: I mean, we're always, you know, in life, we're always going through Those transformations, those transitions. We're in a continual state of transition. That is what learning is. Today I didn't know this, but now I know something new. I've transitioned, right? The old me was no longer that was thinking this or thought this. Even it might have been, oh, there's dust underneath my table. I need to probably pick that up, right? Now the next time I actually look underneath the desk and see it. But how does this all connect, obviously, to sports and not my living room? my transition was 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 tough. And people don't realize that when you're as an athlete, in some ways, the higher you go, the more you've been babied through the system. Right. So because I was a really strong athlete, I, I did homework. I didn't really need to. I got to pick my classes first. I got unlimited supply of, of gear. I traveled around the world. I would go places like, hey, you know, autographs. But The problem is we don't usually have the Brett Favre type career where we get to just slowly decide, Oh, oh, I'm going to come back. And it is all of a sudden you just never realize that was your last race. You might just realize it was your last race a little bit too far down the future. Mm -hmm. So the transition was tough because that's all I knew. That's all people know me as it was AK that's that. But I remember when I was first looking to, you know, get a job after, you know, I was done and I would go to interviews and they'd be like, okay, so congratulations. You're an all-American athlete. You travel around the world. We're super excited to have you here. And they're like, okay, so just tell me a about, little bit about what you do. I'm like, um, what do you mean? You're not just going to hire me? Like, no, 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 we get it. We get what you've done. You are like strong and all that stuff. He's like, but what have you done? I'm like, <clears throat> uh, humor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is that the job that I got going from pretty high up and then ended up to, you know, moving furniture, right? I was a furniture mover afterwards. I'm like, no, no shade to any furniture movies but to them you're like hey you're big you're strong you're lifting that's what we're able to communicate and so that transition was tough because I never really focused on rebuilding some of those skills so Mm -hmm. there came a moment of self-reflection and determination and action and I decided to pick up the same books that I learned in college and pick them up and read them and learn them Um, uh, I also you know really was into personal and professional development of of growing because I realized there were certain things about me that was not going to navigate in this new transition now the reason why the transition was tough was I was an athlete and I'm no longer an athlete that's it was very binary mm-hmm. and it was extremely binary and I, I always try to run away from it but in some ways people like hey dear coach you like kind of like they' always talk about sports no that's not me that is not me I'm that life is done but I ran away from it but I was also running away from myself mm-hmm how it actually came to be when the merging came together. It was, I'm an athlete instead of, or, or, but it is an and. Mm -hmm. I am an athlete and a this, I am a father and an athlete. Even though I don't do a lot of working out now, but it was that thing of no longer running away from it and understanding what was the things that I learned from athletics. I learned about delayed gratification. I learned that you may hurt more the next day and even sometimes the second day afterwards to become better. It was understanding the importance of teamwork and realize you can't know and have everything. It's about community and the teamwork to get you to where you need to be. Um, It was understanding about who are you in the moment when that gun goes off. We often think about who we are when we're picking up the books. Like, no, you realize who you are when you are out in the field. So the reason why I have so many different things on, I guess, my background or resume is because I only learn by doing Um, so I really focus on action and doing, because it then allows me not only to learn new things, but now connect the dots a lot better, right? I can see the similarities in the themes when you do more things, which I believe in some ways I'm kind of against the whole 10,000 hour rule in some ways, you know, Mm -hmm. we're always doing something. We're always doing something that's getting us better. Even within athletics, rest was actually getting you better to perform. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was not what you're not doing that's actually getting you better. You know, I
1: I won't say I struggle with the ten thousand hour rule, but it's there's a different perspective, right? Where it's like, say, um, let's pick a profession. Let's let's go old school. Let's say like blacksmith. Just we'll, we'll go like more <laughs> elemental. So t- today being like. Executive coach, it's like, what, what a blacksmith? You're making armor, that's what you do. Um, so you're a blacksmith, you make armor, you spent 10,000 hours at it, you're just a kick ass armorer, and that's what you know how to do. But what if you had spent a thousand hours making armor, and you spent a thousand hours mining ore, and you'd spent a thousand hours in archery? And, and now you can actually see just in those three examples. So maybe you're making armor now, and you understand the process to refine your ore better to make better material than just the blacksmith can. And because you understand the flight path of an arrow and how an arrow pierces, now you can reinforce your armor in different ways. It's it's like because you have experience in these different ways. And this one was actually relatively tight knit. I didn't go like you learned how to knit or something um but i mean I, you can, the funny thing is you right you can connect something well, i just didn't
0: know if i could do it on the fly <laughs> I, I'll, I'll think about it. like just think about it if you want to be a, okay a piano go for player. if you want to be a piano player right. right if you're a piano player is it about those ten thousand hours but what about every single time i'm typing on the computer and i'm working on hand eye coordination mm. and i'm working on how can you be able to type and also look at the screen at the same time and the finger dexterity to be able to reach those different notes now if right. somebody were to say Well, was me playing the piano or me typing also helping me do that? Most definitely, right? I can call myself a coach. I can call myself a a facilitator. I can call myself a a trainer, Mm -hmm. but there's a common denominator of speaking and communicating, Mm -hmm. right? There's a process of also understanding, understanding, okay, I need to change my approach based on who my audience is, right? If I'm training a whole bunch of kids, it's very different than me training a whole bunch of professional athletes. I might need to squat down a little bit lower. I might need to talk a little bit softer. I may need to be more animated. These are all of those different things that we're now realizing aren't actually connected, but change the way we do things based on that other person.
1: Um, Okay, this is a little bit of a hard transition, but I realized I wanted to ask you this, um, and we've got way down the rabbit hole, so I got to back up a little bit. But I wanted to know, like, because, you know, it, it takes... A lot of energy and effort on your part to do the things you do, but what I'm always curious about is why? Why help people? Like because it you know it takes a lot of effort, it, it takes time and patience to dig through the psyche of somebody to, to to try to get to the heart of what what it is that the it's, you know that blockage. What's the motivation to move you in that direction? You know because on the face of it, you know as you've mentioned, you're not just this thing, you are many things, but some people could just write you off and say, well, he was, you know, he was a track athlete, and I don't know how he can help me, but you still have that determination. So, it came from somewhere, and that, that multidimensional personality that we all have, that you have, you know, fuels it somehow. So, so why, why go this direction? Why, why try to help people in this fashion? I
0: mean, this is, One of the things I do, we talked about that earlier. Yes. I always find it crazy because the question I do, I do get this question and it's almost like, I'm more surprised that's even a question. Right. (laughs) And it's weird. It's like, I have to defend like, why, why help people? We help people all the time. Yeah. And that is what life is. Every single time, if you're a parent, you're helping your your child. Um, You know, I think my special gift is helping people let go. And that's what I want to do for helping. And the reason why is because people help me. I, I was a I was not the best kid by any means. You know, I grew up in a loving household, right? Parents, PhDs. But the neighborhood I was in, in Colorado, wasn't even like in some bad place. I, I was in the wrong group, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, similar, like right now, my three friends, one's dead, one's in prison, and another two of them in prison, one's dead. Um, and so there was that path. What ended up diverting me was actually a coach, my you know, track and field coach that said, hey, maybe you should you know, try this out. And that's what really got me into you know, playing sports. But now because of that, that, that moment, when all these, will say, all these little particles are flying around and at some moment that me and him cross paths, there's a reason for that because of that moment, it then led into whatever I do was because of that intervention that he did for me. And we're doing this all the time. I think we help people, or we—I uh, help people. It's like, why well, have somebody struggling when I can see? us, I can just tell you this: <laughs> just, just, you know, make sure you press this button, and it'll be so much easier for you. Uh, that's what I feel like I do. Is I don't actually feel like I work. I feel like I just talk and hang with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess some people are, you know, impacted. But to be honest, I'm actually just as impacted in every single wow. conversation I have. Whether it's the you know, CEO of a company or the president of you know, a country or the homeless person that's trying to find his next meal on the corner. We're all being helped. We're all learning.
1: It's, now i lost my train of thought. I was trying to Yeah, it's, it's, lost it again. It's <laughs> so not happening today. It's um, all good.
0: Man. That's
1: no, and that's the nice thing about not say what's editing. on your heart. Say what's it on, it on your heart. <laughs> right. Well, that's all i was trying to be at. Um, we're all, you know. I'll, here we go. Let's back on track. So, I think the reason I ask is that sometimes I don't know if it's a matter of wanting to procrastinate or it's an anxiety or what it is. But there's like this lack of motion. You know, we were talking about earlier how you just get something. Something started and it, it gets the ball rolling. And I f- I feel like there are times, certainly in my life, I, I see other people where it seems like they're just, they're stuck dead in their tracks. And I think and again, as always, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're so practiced in moving forward, it doesn't make it completely effortless, maybe, but probably easier than somebody who hasn't had as much practice taking that action. So I asked the why question because I I wonder if hearing the why being so simple that that person can maybe stop overthinking and thinking, oh, there has to be this grand reason that I'm doing this thing. And it's like, maybe it's as simple as that's the thing you want to do. So
0: do you do it? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, sometimes having, you know, the the most willpower is realizing that you don't have the best willpower. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be honest, like, My success, when I was a college athlete, dude, I'm motivated. I would come to the track. I would be willing to throw up. I'd be willing to pass out. I was able to do that until the root awakening came years afterwards, when I'm like, why am I no longer motivated? Like, why can't I do, like, I don't know what it is. Oh, I realized what happened. The reason I had such determination was because I had a coach that if I didn't show up on time, I'd be in trouble. I also had teammates that I had that had to push me forward. Mm-hmm. So for me, I literally started a company during the pandemic as an accountability company, right? a daily accountability where we focus on making sure that everybody's completing their three high impact tasks for the day because I realized I couldn't do it myself. It actually increases, it actually increases, like we already talked about goals, but it actually increases the likelihood of you accomplishing a goal simply just by writing it down. You'll be more productive if one, you at least acknowledge, okay, I got to, I'm going to work out tomorrow. Okay. Two, or you can say, I'm going to put it in my calendar tomorrow, today to go tomorrow, right? Put a, a session. Three, I'm going to put on my calendar and set an alarm. Four, I'm going to call my friend to make sure that we go together. Five, I'm going to make sure that he comes to my house and picks me up, right? All of those are the examples that we can go just a little bit further to increase the accountability. For me, I was such a, <laughs> not, a, not productive that I had to start a company and hire executives to actually help me move forward because I was like, what's wrong with me? I was going through my own tran, tran, transition. Um, mm-hmm. But to give even some actionable step, one actionable step that I usually have for individuals is outside of getting somebody to actually make sure you get it done, is we often focus on the, 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 the end goal. I wanna work out okay every single morning i'm okay, gonna i have to work out today. no specific goal and let's say you're not as productive well then you have to identify what is that moment when you will be when that kind of goes over that mountain and becomes a, a downhill process and that's usually for me for me personally was if i know that i walk outside of the door if i just walk outside of the door i will get the workout done right i don't have to focus on getting the workout done i just need a Make enough power to get myself out the door, and so most of us are trying to be more actionable. It's not focused, right? You have sometimes you have no control over that. What do you have control over? I know that all I got to do is get the power just to walk outside the door, and my workout was happening. But what happened every single time I walked out that door? Was like, oh, what was I? What was I complaining about? What was you know, what was so hard? And this is what we do every single day. I'm gonna you know, I do this with the talk is we have this podcast that we're doing here today on the show. What would happen if I just didn't show up? Meaning you didn't show up. We're well,
1: just- I mean, I would get on with my day and onto the next thing. And I mean, I would have my assistant or I would follow up with you and see if we had a, we miss but otherwise I would be like, well, on to the next thing or maybe onto my weekend depending on where I am yeah. in the day. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, but let's say, okay, we're going to give another chance and then you did it and I just didn't show up and I didn't have a reason. Like, what happened to our dynamic relationship?
1: Well, I mean, generally speaking, I would probably write you off. I'd be like, well, I mean, AK's just gone and
0: he's dead to me now, so. Well, but, well think about that, right? That was just from two times of me doing a no-call, no-show. Right. The question is, how often do we no-call, no-show ourselves? Yeah, how often do we say we're going to do something yeah we're just talking to you. what's your reason i don't know i'm on facebook there's <laughs> not even a good reason yeah now think about that if we only if you saw what happened for me just missing two times with you and the and, and the detriment that could have imagine for our own self if we're doing that every single day why we're not getting the results that we're looking for mm-hmm. right if we had that same type of intentionality that tends to be somewhere as we have for the third party, you will see dramatic changes within your day, within your week, within your month, within your life.
1: Okay. We're running out of time. So I got to ask you the question I'm asking everybody this year. Um, we've already a little bit touched on it. Um, but to solidify it into a, a strict answer for the question, how do you stay motivated after failing to reach a goal?
0: Um, I think one of them is identifying failure. Um, some of my biggest failure—actually, I'll say my biggest failure this year—in some ways, I had a, a big speaking engagement that was kind of booked out, and it was with a pretty big client. And I—I um, I had all these other opportunities that I kind of just like let go by the wayside. And I get a call one day and it says, "You know, all those speaking engagements that you are having—that was going to be this much revenue coming in." Uh, it's not happening. It's, it's, it's something happened with leadership. Now, at that moment, I looked at that, I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at that moment, I was like, no, 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 it gave work on positive psychology. Like, okay, don't get it. Because if you if you start to have one negative thought, even for a day, what ends up happening? Right. I'm gonna spiral. So, right. so I have a positive psychology. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Okay, I gotta get into action mode. So immediately, instead of saying, I'm gonna get down and do a push-up, like I said, for the workout, this one was get a piece of paper out and list out 20 things or opportunities or people that you need to reach out to that you need to, right? I immediately went into that action phase because I had to not let that silent air get filled in with negativity. And then what happens when I wrote that all down, I had my my partner um, say, hey, make sure that I get this done tonight and I'm not gonna go to bed until I do. So at that moment, I then put that piece of paper and I contacted every single one of them. And then the next morning I ended up getting two, three different leads, but since that's happened, I now have actually generated two different, more sources of income. And now if that that happened again, I have so many different other revenue streams that have now led that it happened. So somebody could say, was that a bad moment? No, it was a learning and a growth moment for me to realize blockages to as blind spots in the way that I was navigating through the world. And this needed to give me a wake up call to try and do something different. That's a great answer um aka
1: if people want to find you see what you're doing get help from you if they happen to be um business owners like i am where can they find you where can they connect
0: yeah i mean you know you know if it's you know business-wise we, I mean, i'm the founder coach aka enterprises what we do is we are basically entrepreneurs coos chief operating officers we're a business development agency where we literally do everything from you'll know, get your own executive assistant Uh, You'll get your own strategic partner. We'll do the social media, the website, the marketing, the research, um, even all the the designs. We're a business, full service, business development agency. But if anybody wanted to get a hold of me, I would say you can go to my website at akaquacor.com. I'm sure the spelling will be somewhere. Yeah, it'll be on the (laughs) screen in the description. (laughs) Uh, Or they can just connect with me like on Instagram or LinkedIn. Good thing is I am the only Equacor in the world. So if you happen to just... (laughs) spell it right, you'll at least get close or you'll find me pretty easy. So I'm, I'm lucky in that one. Besides, if you just type in Kwakor, you're going to get my twin brother and that might just be its own little stuff, but- We'll overall, get connected somehow. <laughs> we'll get connected somehow. It will work either way. All right, man. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you, Jesse, man. I appreciate it. It's been fun.